the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Love. Courage. Truth. Glenn Beck. There is a certain dignity and grace, a definite civility and seriousness that follows the death of an important person, a historic figure, somebody that we are now lowering our flags by presidential decree uh, to half staff. Especially if they had 92 years on Earth and have been both the first lady and the first mother. But Randa Gerar, an associate professor at California State University in Fresno, takes a different approach. Within an hour of Barbara Bush's death, she decides to tweet. Now, she loves giving the middle finger, Google her image, um, you know, for, with her name if you have the stomach for it. Or Don't waste your time. But she loves to walk, uh, mock whiteness, uh, white feminism, and Israel. She's a Muslim. And she thinks she can do it because she's tenured. She tweeted, Barbara Bush was a generous and smart and amazing racist who, along with her husband, raised a war criminal. F out of here with your nice words. Then she tweeted, PSA, either you're against these pieces of S and their genocidal ways, or you're part of the problem. That's actually how simple this is. I'm happy the witch is dead. I can't wait for the rest of her family to fall to their demise the way 1.5 million Iraqis have. Bye. B-Y-Y-Y-Y-Y-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E. Wow. She is an academic. You can really tell she got an MFA in creative writing, can't you? Quote, I, uh, all the hate I'm giving almost made me forget how happy I am that George W. Bush is probably really sad right now, end quote. Like an obnoxious child at a funeral, she kept going. Even when she was asked to calm down. Sweetie, I work as a tenured professor. I make $100,000 a year doing that. I'll never be fired. I will always have people wanting to hear what I have to say. Even you are one of them, end quote. Then she roped in the school's president. LOL, let me help you. You should tag my president, Joseph Castro. That's what I love about being an American professor is my right to free speech. And what I love about Fresno State is I always feel protected and at home here. Go Bulldogs. Last night, she posted what she claimed was her phone number. Actually turned out to be a mental health emergency crisis phone line. Boy. I remember when I was 14. How many students have been exposed to her toxic attitude? There's also her equally toxic Twitter account full of expletives and insults, all bravado and outrage because we all have to be outraged about something, right? Every other tweet, she mentions that she's a professor with tenure, so she can do whatever she wants. No one can do anything about it. Don't bother to try to find her social account, though, because she's locked it now and deleted all the damning tweets. That's how tough she really is. That's how much she really matters. It's Thursday, April 19th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I think we need a jingle. I think we need addicted to outrage. Because every day there's something else to be outraged about or not. We could be outraged by this professor or not. And it's really hard not to be outraged by her when she's saying these things and then saying, you know, I'm tenured and I always feel at home. Well, you know, 
tenure was meant so you can push the envelope on thoughts, on ideas. And that's been lost on the universities because do they hire do they hire people like me to be an associate producer? I mean, a, 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 a associate professor? No. Why not? Why am I not an associate professor somewhere for the media? Do I have nothing to share? Do I have nothing to teach? I can tell you I could run circles, I would imagine, around most professors in media. But I would never be given that opportunity. Why? Because of my opinion. Because of what I believe. Others, like her, she gets tenured. And she's welcome to say whatever she wants. Here's the thing. Tenure doesn't mean anything if you're not on the battlefield of ideas. Tenure means something when you have people pushing back and forth. It's like it's Princeton has Robbie George, one of the greatest minds, philosophical, theological minds in the country. He is deeply religious, deeply spiritual. He understands what it means truly to be a believer. And on the same university, you have uh, Peter Singer, a guy who says we should be able to abort a child until the day that they realize that there is a tomorrow. So that could be a year, two years, three years down the road, and you'd be able to kill them. He stands for everything that I'm against, but they are both on campus. And not only are they both on campus, they hold seminars together where one says one thing, the other says the other. And you, the student, get to decide. You, the student, get to hear all points of view, the furthest of the extremes, all the way into the center. That's what tenure is for. Tenure is for the protection of somebody who scientifically says, look, I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but look at my calculations, but I don't think the sun revolves around the earth because look at the calculations. What happened? He was chased. He had to go live in a tower. He had the right answer. The church even knew it was right. But it wasn't popular. This is where tenure comes from. Not to just to spout venom. Not to just to say ridiculous things. If you want to say, you know, Barbara Bush, a lot of people are sad. But, you know, could I make the case that she was married to a warmonger and, a, and gave birth to a war criminal? And here's why I say that. Absolutely. And that, to me, is what tenure is for in the academic setting. Now, in the academic setting, if you're going to have that outrageous view, you should probably have the other side that says she is absolutely wrong, and here's why. I hope she is not fired for her tweets. She has a right to say this. 
I hope that the university will look at their own campus and what they're doing and either balance this crazy lady and balance so other people can speak on their campus and feel protected and say the things that counter her, but in a in an academic and scientific and philosophically sound way. Now, if the university wants to fire her because she posted an emergency line and said that she this is my phone number and she clogged an emergency suicide line and an emergency helpline, which you cannot do, that's against the law. That they should fire her for. That she should go to jail for. But for her obscene opinion? No, she unfortunately has a right to say it. And I stand by her right to say it. Because the only speech that needs protecting is the speech that we all find reprehensible. And I agree with you. She shouldn't be fired. But that should tell you everything you need to know about that school. Because even if they fire her, it's not as if this is the first thing she's ever... She's this been this person the entire time she's yeah, worked there. And they know. And they were not only excited enough to hire her, but to give her tenure, right? So this is not a, uh, a, a quick judgment. To us, in a way, it is. You could say, oh, well, we, we've never heard of this person before. And here's a few crazy And we'll tweets. never hear about this person right, again. We'll never hear about this person again. It could be our little daily outrage, and we could be upset about it. And... Uh, and, and and that is something for us. We're judging on very limited information. That information, they had plenty of it at Fresno State. And they chose to, to hire her and make her, you know, uh, a representative of their university. And again, it's not the idea that someone could say that Barbara Bush and the Bush family are bad people and bad actors in the United States is not something that a, a, a professor should be fired for. Because I, while I disagree... It's an absolutely you can make case. You can make that case academically, and I'll disagree with it, and we'll have an interesting debate about it. She's not only acting like a fourteen-year-old; she's acting like a dumb fourteen-year-old. Yeah, they're they're, it, they're they're not even good insults. <laughs> you know, it's no, like, and <laughs> she's not. She's she's everything that you need to know is uh, said here, sweetie, talking down to a woman, mm-hmm. sweetie. I work as a tenured professor saying I'm better than everybody else. I make $100,000 a year doing that. An absolute elitist. I mean, everything you need to know is she gets all of her value from being a professor that is well paid. She doesn't know who she is. She's a tenured professor who makes a lot of money. That's it. Right. And it's like if you have if you're a, a rich father. And you have a son who is acting up um, and you are they protected by you? You know, probably maybe right. Like you might be like, look, they're, they're my kid. I'm going to do everything I can. At some point, if they keep putting in everyone's faces and they say, you know what? My dad runs this company. I can do whatever I want. I don't need to show up. Screw you. I'm going to take some cash out of the drawer. At some point, daddy says, this is insane. And because you're using me and my credibility to do to complete your utter nonsense, I have to take action, and that's what Fresno State should be doing. Well, However, it's meaningless if they do it because 
Because, now it's just peer pressure. It's not it's, real. It, right. It's unless, now just social media pressure. Unless it is coming from inside the university with the other professors who say, you know what? I, I don't even necessarily agree with her. But how dare her hide behind her tenure yeah. and and draw me into this? Because that's what she's done. I feel tradition. perfect protected, meaning everybody agrees with me at this university. So I'm fine. I have to tell you, even if I agreed with her, I'd be a little pissed. Don't drag me into your four, you know, fourth grade uh, uh, rant on Twitter. I don't want to be associated with any of that. And as you talked about the historical context of tenure, it's something that if you have it and the people around you have it, it's something to be revered, right? It's something with a real historical here's context. An, here's an idea. It comes with great responsibility. Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's Simply Safe. Simply Safe just won Editor's Choice Awards from CNET Magazine, PC Magazine, and The Wirecutter. These are really respected product testers in the tech world, and they put Simply Safe through a battery of tests, and they compared it to all other home security products. Simply Safe won every single time. I've been telling you about Simply Safe for years now. In my opinion, it is the best home security system hands down. I know the founders. I've worked with them since there were 10 employees. They now have over 600 employees and protect over 2 million Americans. This is a home security system that you want in your home. The sensors are tiny. You won't notice them, but it notices anything that is going wrong. It's unbelievably easy to use. You can control it from your phone. And it has comprehensive uh, protection for all of your windows, all of your doors, for your entire home. And 24 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Their professional alarm monitoring is $15 a month. Go to their website and just see how much you're going to save compared to everybody else. $15 a month. And there's no contract. Take control of your life. Make sure your family and your home is secure. SimplySafeBeck.com. Don't take my word for it. Take the expert's word for it. SimplySafeBeck.com. Get 10% off now at SimplySafeBeck.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Well, hello. So glad that you are here today. I have tenure, you know, so I'm going to let my associate producer speak for a while while I mm, uh, write a book. What do you think of that? Do I have tenure too? or No, not yet. Okay, so not I need yet. to do a good show? You need show? to do a good job. Could you imagine if talk radio had tenured hosts where they couldn't fire us? It didn't matter what was going on. Can you imagine how, A, extreme any talk radio, progressive, conservative, doesn't matter, how extreme it would get if you couldn't fire anybody for what they said? I mean, the medium as a whole might get extreme. You wouldn't wouldn't change your viewpoint. No, no, no. That's what I mean. The medium as a whole. I I can say. In two decades, if that, it would be... It would be crazy on both sides if you couldn't, <laughs> if you could never fire them or harm them. You would also have, and this I speak probably more towards me, but you would also get extraordinarily lazy. 
Oh, yeah. Wow. You'd I be would. like, uh, you know what? I'm going to play a little bit from the Hannity show for the next 25 minutes. <laughs> just playing and, other uh, hosts. You know, this is an important clip. Uh, it's, it's about 25 minutes long, but just, yeah. just let it just roll. Just listen and take notes. Let's, let's, get, let's gather afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and, and, discuss. Then, and then afterwards, I would say, look, I'm... Uh, I'm working on something else, so I've got my associate producer, Stu, and he's going to talk to you about that clip. <laughs> I mean, it would be, you would become, think of your job if they could not fire you. And I think like for a while, there'd be a sense of personal pride that you'd want to make sure you did a good job. But that definition would change in your mind quickly, I think, uh, of uh, the yeah. amount of effort you needed to put in. Jamestown comes to mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was the deal. Everybody got every, everybody got an equal share. We're just going to pile all the food up. We're going to put it in the company storehouse. And when you need food, you go get food. And everybody was like, oh, that's great. And I'm going to build, I'm going to make a garden. And I'm going to make a garden. And pretty soon somebody, one person was like, I get the same amount of food whether I do it or not, so I'm just I'm not gonna work so hard. And their produce sucked. They didn't have very much. They'd bring their you know tomato over to the and get everybody else's food. Eventually, it was only those people who were like, "Look, guys, we're all gonna starve to death if we don't." Oh, geez, he's not doing his thing, so I'm gonna plow some more. And very few people were actually doing it because everybody else had food tenure. I'll do whatever I want, and I still get the food. This is the reason why everything that left-wing uh, professors believe doesn't work doesn't in real work. life. Right. That's why and a- if they had to actually compete, they would know it. I, my, one of my favorite lines against socialism is from Ghostbusters. No, we're going to have to go. We're leaving the university. Have you ever been in the private sector? They expect results. <laughs> I, mean, I love that. It's true. That whole movie, Ghostbusters, is a is a great. It's amazing when you look back at it. It's hard to believe that movie could be made today because you go back and you read it, it, it you watch it, and it's like a legitimate. It's like continual praise of capitalism. It is. Uh, it's you tears know, it's, down the university, and then it also tears down the uh, tears down the government you know, snot heads for not knowing what they're doing. However, it also, you know, it does tear them down just a little bit as well. It does. Although, I mean, the the enemy yes. in Ghostbusters. Yes, yes, you talk about, oh, the scary ghosts. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not really the enemy. The enemy in Ghostbusters is the EPA. It is. It's a such and union workers. Yes, yes, it is. Because <laughs> the union workers come in and then uh, they talk about having to actually get results in the private sector Mm -hmm. they have to actually work hard where at the university they don't have to do anything because they're protected right i mean it really is those 80s movies man there's a lot of them in there yeah and they threw down the chinese food and they're like well that's the last of the nest egg (laughs) yeah they knew uh, we have to we have to make this work now you know i was i was driving in talking about things that couldn't be made again when's the last time you listen to dire straits and money for nothing I mean, it's been a pull this up. It's been a little been while. A while? Mm-hmm. Don't know. There's no way, no way this could be made today. Now, remember, "Money for Nothing" is really an elitist song. Really elitist. Yeah. When you think about it, mocking people who are working every day. You know, the blue collar worker who you know, or the guy who's working in the Best Buy. And is, you know, just he's watching these TVs and he's like, well, I should have studied something else. 
I should have studied. Because what they're doing is easy, and, easy. and what I'm doing is hard, okay. and they're getting rewarded for it. So I would just like to go through a couple lines in there. Right. Even though they are mocking the people saying this, uh, I, I don't know how this song is even allowed to exist digitally anymore. Glenn Beck Mercury This is the Glenn Beck Program. We have something really special happening next week here at the Mercury Studios. Israel's 70th, and we are celebrating the uh, miracle. I'm going to be giving the keynote. Uh, Tommy Waller, uh, Waller is going to be there. Ran, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin is also going to be there. It's a five-course meal. This is a really, really special night. We would love for you to attend. You can find the information at glenbeck.com, or you can grab your tickets at HaYoval. It's H A. Y-O-V-E-L dot com slash Israel 70. Um, but uh, we hope to see you there next Thursday night to celebrate Israel's 70th anniversary. Um, uh, let me go to Daniel in California as we talk about free speech today and that that Fresno University professor who's who's, you know, saying crazy stuff, but she's tenured. Go ahead, Daniel. Oh, well, thank you for taking my call. You bet. You're a student at Fresno? Yes, I'm a student at Fresno State. And, yeah, this, I, just, I just want to say I'm deeply ashamed about what that professor said. I mean, there's no place for that. I mean, even, even in a, regardless of the forum, whether it's in the classroom or outside the classroom, I, mean, I, I, I think I, I think you should like, have a higher ground than that, personally. So, Daniel, I mean, you've got to be a freak on campus, even just listening to the show, even if you're just taking notes to bring it back to your comrades. <laughs> you, uh, you have to be a freak on this. How how many people at Fresno look at her and say, come on, this is like, uh, you know, a, a 10 year old. Um, yeah, the, everyone is outraged as far as even some of my friends on both sides of the fence. I mean, wow. they are outraged. That, that she would say something like that. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Mars um, mouse check story, but this is just another thing. It's like a black eye for Fresno. We're not getting in the news for anything good. We're getting in the news for these professors who are, who are making jerks of themselves on social media. Hmm. Daniel, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Long live free speech. I think she has a right to say these things. Um, uh, you know, what the university chooses to do. I hope they do not fire her because of her political uh, ravings. I hope they, if they choose to fire her, they would choose to fire her because she broke the law, um, A, in one of the things that she did, um, but also because they should evaluate, is this the kind of, is this the kind of intellectual dialogue that our professors should be having? Um, but free speech is what it's all about. This morning I got up and I was listening to uh, Dire Straits. Um, what is it? I want my MTV. What is that no, song? Money, Money for, for Nothing. nothing. Mm-hmm. And I got about, mm, I don't know, 45 seconds into it. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't remember this. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the, the line is, uh, and I'm not going to say all of it because of freaks that will take it out of context. And, uh, you know, because context doesn't matter. Media matters. Um, but it says, uh, we've got to move these refrigerators, got to move these color TVs to the little, 
uh, how would you say, uh, what would you, how would you, the, the, the big word here is no, the, uh, the, uh, the other F word now. When I used to say F word, we all knew what it meant, but now it's there's several F words. Yeah, we can only say about three words that start with F. Okay, now. so it, it, you know the homosexual to the little oh, okay, yeah, F word with the earring and the makeup. Yeah, buddy, that's your own hair. To the little uh, F word got his own jet airplane. That little F word is a millionaire. You couldn't make that <laughs> no today. Wait, even I- though that song is in context, this song is mocking. The working class guy. Right. It's saying the working class guy would say things like this. Correct. He'd say that we don't have any talent as musicians and we're not really working. And they'll say, I mean, I'm sure even at the time it was meant as uh, mocking them as saying a slur, right? Like they're saying these guys would say these terrible things. Okay. So for the me too, try this one. Try this one on. I should have learned to play the guitar. I should have learned to play them drums. Look at that mama. She's got it sticking in the camera, and we can have some. Hashtag me too. <laughs> okay. Uh, listen here. That ain't working. Uh, you just get your uh, chicks for free, blah, blah, blah. Um, and what's that up here? What's that? Hawaiian noises? He's banging on the bongos like a chimpanzee. Jeez. In context, mocking. Today, you'd run them out of Fresno. If they were ever invited, they wouldn't be. But if they were ever invited to do a concert at Fresno, they could not do that song. Even though they're mocking people who talk like that. Yeah, you really, you would not be able to do that. You, um... There are a bunch of people saying that there is a sanitized version that they apparently play without that word in it. Yeah, but Although that was still, because the chimpanzee was, part is probably still yeah. in there. And that was because of, uh, I guarantee you, that was just because of uh, radio play. They didn't want to say that. But it was on all the albums. Yeah, I guess. Well, at the time, I think they played it on the air. AOR stations. Album rock stations did. The purists. The progressive stations played it that way. The sanitized commercial station. I I know I played it a million times. Sure. The the progressive rock stations. That was their name. AOR progressive rock. Yeah. They played it as is because they were open minded. They had tenure. That's art. You don't you don't don't edit art. Correct. The commercial station said that's not cool. We shouldn't use that. So what was the substitute word? I don't remember. I don't remember. Oh, someone's got to know that. Yeah. I mean, it has to be out there, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure We, we could dig it up during yeah, the break. Yeah, let's look for, uh, look, look it up now, radio version. Just look for radio edit. Uh, put uh, money for nothing radio edit, and it'll be there. Uh, tr- try this, another song. You remember that stupid song, Rock the Casbah? Rock the Casbah. Oh, yeah. And, of course, the important work uh, derivative of that, uh, Will Smith's Will 2K uh, from the album Willennium, because <laughs> you just you know when you make a song that mm. just references a big changeover to a round numbered year, yeah, that everyone's going to remember it for a long sure. time. And look at us, we're discussing it now. Yeah, well, you are, but uh, <laughs> and I'm not really even sure why. But uh, <laughs> so, what was that song about? If this song wasn't way ahead of its time, now the uh, the king told the boogeyman. You have to let that ragga drop. The oil down the desert way has been shaken to the top. The sheik drove his Cadillac and went cruising down in the uh, uh, the ville. 
Uh, muslin, uh, uh, the muslin was a standing on the radiator grill. Um, by order of the prophet, Muhammad, by order of the prophet, we ban the boogie sound, degenerate the faithful with a crazy Casbah sound. So they're saying no rock. You were banning the, by order of the prophet, the king is banning mm. rock and roll music. But the Bedouin, the, the, the travelers, the desert people, they uh, got the drum and the guitar and, and everybody began to wail, blah, 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 blah. Now over at the temple, oh, they really pack them in. Think of this today. Oh, they really pack them in. The in crowd says it's cool, meaning the music, to dig this charting thing. But as the wind changed direction and the temple band took five, the crowd caught a whiff of that crazy Casbah jive. Uh, the king called up his jet fighters. He said, you better earn your pay. Drop your bombs between the minarets down the Casbah way. So kill all of the people who are in this rock and roll culture. Mm-hmm. It's interesting I don't because, think you could even make that song today. Right, because in that era, people, the artist would push back against this disculture that was destroying people and was limiting them what to wear, what to say, what to think. Now, the culture will protect that at any cost, which is such a strange statement. They're in with the people who are are the, by order of the prophet, shut them all down. Drop the bombs between the minarets. This goes to the point that we've made many times. When you talk about rights for women when you talk about rights for gays uh, who's violating those rights it's you know the united states do we have problems with certain things of course but i mean it's nothing like these regimes that are constantly defended by progressives our problems revolve around misunderstandings like mark knopfler and that would be an outrage if that song came out today, people would, uh, that would be their outrage for the day. They would get their fix, addicted to outrage. They'd be like, oh, this is, I can't believe that Mark Knopfler in Dire Straits would do something like that. And Mark would be on TV going, no, guys, it is mocking the people who say that. They ban him, ban him. Make sure you boycott all of their concerts. That's what would happen today when they're throwing homosexuals off buildings in the Middle East. Um, something's wrong with this picture. I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to have Sesame Street updated to where one of these things just doesn't belong. Statues in the town square that are oppressing you. Things like, you know, uh, Mark Knopfler's, you know, dire straight money for nothing and flogging homosexuals in the town square and then hanging them. One of these things just doesn't belong. I think it would be a really good change to society, to discourse, if we all just stepped back and said things of previous eras had different standards. And we all understand that. This is, you know, Bill Maher said this just the other day. Yeah, do we have, we actually, I think we have that audio. A recent article by Molly Ringwald got a lot of attention because she revisited the Breakfast Club and her other 80s movies and found them troubling in the age of Me Too. She said she was taken aback by the scope of the ugliness. Oh, please. (laughs) They were teen comedies, not snuff films. You can't blame someone for not being woke 
30 years before woke was a thing. 20 years ago, the jokes on Friends were just funny. Now, some millennials, some, I applaud the sane ones, but some find the jokes sexist, transphobic, and fat shaming. Okay, but if you spend your time combing through old TV shows to identify stuff that by today's standards looks bad, you're not woke, you're just a douchebag. We're never <laughs> finished evolving. I hate to break it to you, but no matter how woke you think you are, you are tolerating things right now that will make you cringe in 25 years. Amen. Yeah, interesting. She says that he says that too, because Molly Ringwald in 16 Candles apparently said that same word that Dire Straits said many times. Uh, and, you know, look. Boycott Molly Ringwald. Bo- <laughs> She's boycott boycotting Mo- herself. Yeah. That's what's sad. Yeah, there's nothing we can boycott. You know, there's nothing. It's like, uh, okay, well, I don't even know where she lives or what she does for a living, and uh, she's probably just a mom. Let's take her children away from her. Um, by the way, on the uh, Dire Straits answer, one edit replaces the slur with the word mother. That little mother has his own jet airplane. That little mother is a millionaire. Mm. Just not yeah. really the same. Um, and then uh, many uh, stations have aired a version that cuts the uh, verse entirely. Yeah, but it wasn't the progressive rock stations. I can tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right person to see it. And that's where ZipRecruiter comes in. They have built a better platform. It's smart. And it finds the right job candidate for you. It identifies the people with the right experience and then goes out, finds them, and invites them to apply for your job. And it's the invitations that turn everything upside down. The average uh, business owner that's looking for somebody and using ZipRecruiter finds a quality candidate in the first day. And ZipRecruiter makes sure that you see the best candidates. ZipRecruiter takes and it highlights the best candidate for you so you never miss the right hire. I want you to try it for free right now. If you're looking to hire somebody and you need the right person, ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Try it for free right now and hire the right person. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Let's go to Michelle quickly in uh, Pennsylvania. Hello, Michelle. Yes, hi, Mr. Beck. Um, a quick comment on the Fresno professor that's tenured. Uh, my comment is, uh, while I, I do agree with you, I don't think she should be fired for her comments outside of the phone number. Uh, but what bothered me more is she has comments about white, uh, other English lit professors, that are inherently racist and considering what went on with Starbucks lately uh, with uh, the two gentlemen escorted out that were black and they're closing stores for sensitivity training. <laughs> I, I think that's disturbing that, you know, that, that the racism card is being played by her. And is she teaching that in her classroom? Yes, I'm that sure. Is- I'm sure she's teaching that in her class. Um, you know, in what was it? USC, they now have, they've just put up a, a mosaic that says uh, fight whiteness. Uh, So, I mean, you know, this is going through the, the culture and, you know, that's just as racist as saying fight, you know, black lives matter. And not even that, because that's, that, that's an organization fight blackness. 
but it's apparently okay. And the Starbucks thing, we'll get to that next hour. That is, that's taking a crazy turn. A crazy turn. Yeah, it's unbelievable. People are uh, tweeting things at World of Stew, different songs that you could look back on mm-hmm. now and you can't believe were actually made. I think the winner has to be uh, new Mr. Anti-Trump himself, Eminem, going back to the, a song Criminal from the year 2000, not 1980, okay. 1960, 2000, 90% of it I can't even say. Um, but listen to some of this. Uh, well, uh, for the slur against gays with that begins with F, I'll use gay. Uh, whether you're gay or les or the homosex, hermaph or transvest, pants or dress, hate gays? Question mark. The answer's yes. Oh my gosh. Homophobic? No, nah, you're just heterophobic. Staring at my jeans. <laughs> There's all sorts of stuff in here. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it gets to um, uh, uh, you know he's talking about. Versace. But see, and, he's a he's he's an it, artist. It's an all right, but it's the same thing mm-hmm. as Dire Straits, right? Like he, yep. he, I'm sure he would argue now. Well, what I was saying, I was just, I was in a character. You know, that's no. what Dire Straits would say. But it's it's so extensive and so violent. There's no way he should have been able to get away with this. It, it, only because I guess you find the right he's side a, of the aisle, man. Find the right a, side of the aisle. As long as your side has tenure, you're absolutely fine. Glenn Beck, Mercury. Love, courage, truth. Glenn Beck. There's so much uh, that is important, and I don't think that anybody is really covering it. Uh, we're about to show you a, a poll of what people think the, the, the most important things are that are facing our nation right now. Um, I don't see any of it on television. I don't see it reflected in the media at all. And there is a real crisis of culture right now. Real crisis. We have to decide certain things. Does life matter? Black lives matter? Yeah. All life matters. But we're so busy dividing ourselves right now, we can't even... We can't even get to it because you say something like Planned Parenthood and all of a sudden it's divisive. But in this case, so be it. Planned Parenthood is is continuing to drive on their their never ending promotion of death for as many unborn children as possible. I'm not sure why Parenthood is in their name uh, other than it was a scheme by Uh, by um, uh, Margaret Sanger to dupe people. Parenthood, uh, Planned Parenthood is in the efficient uh, business of killing 321,384 unborn babies last year. That's more, that's more than the number of American soldiers killed in World War One, Korea and Vietnam combined last year. It's a Holocaust that is going on. Now, Planned Parenthood says that they provide some other female health services that they always tout. But according to its own annual report, there is an across the board drop in the number of women using those services. Yet those services are the reason they continue to justify federal funding. So with a declining number of women using Planned Parenthood's health services, the organization uh, has to up its game in recruiting abortions because those procedures are what that's their bread and butter. 
So their latest tactic now is a virtual reality short film called Across the Line. It follows a fictional young woman making her way into an abortion clinic. And the young woman's character has to endure cruel protesters who hurl insults and confront her about her choice. According to Planned Parenthood's executive vice president, the purpose of the virtual reality film, and I remember that, virtual reality film, is to build empathy for young women making the brave choice to kill their child. Many women do face a serious plight with their pregnancies. There are complicated circumstances. There's abuse. There's absentee fathers. Women feel abandoned and hopeless. I get that. But Planned Parenthood using VR technology to convince women that killing their baby is the best solution to their situation is wrong, and it's a lie. There is a better alternative, and Planned Parenthood knows it. But it would rather use virtual reality to advance its abortion campaign. Now, I want you to know, the reason why I'm telling you this is because they know the power of pictures. They also know that ultrasound creates a very different kind of empathy in the mother. When the mother sees her movement of her child on the screen, when a mother hears the baby's heartbeat, those mothers are much more likely to choose life. That's why Planned Parenthood has said, absolutely, we don't have to do ultrasounds. Their empathy efforts will continue to use the technology that only helps them fulfill their abortion quotas. Ultimately, most of the talk about empathy in abortion debate is totally misplaced, especially when it comes from Planned Parenthood. Their narrative only focuses on empathy for the mother struggling with whether or not to kill her unborn child. We must have empathy for the mothers. We must have empathy. We should not be yelling at these women while they're going in. Who is going to run into an arm of anyone who is calling you a murderer? But at the same time, we need to have empathy for the equally valuable and defenseless life in that mother's womb. It's Thursday, April 19th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, when you see things, they become real. And then you're faced with a choice. Do I do something or not? Um... Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. This is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Not to stand is to stand. Not to speak is to speak. And that's absolutely true. And God will not hold us guiltless. You know, you could say years ago that I didn't know. You know, during the the Ottoman Empire, when they were liquidating all of the Christians, you know, the, the Turkish genocide... The Armenian genocide is is something I didn't even know about until, what, 10, 15 years ago. While it was happening, most of the world didn't know. We know now what is happening. We know. So what do we do about it? Well, the first thing we have to do is tell all of our friends. And there is a genocide going on. It's the, uh, it's the Iraqi and Syrian and Middle Eastern Christians and Yazidis and even some Muslims that aren't Muslim enough. They are liquidating all of these people. And the drive first, because 
you know, remember, first they came for the trade unionist. The drive first is to come for the Christians. And the Nazarene Fund has done everything they can to to help support uh, people in the Middle East, get them out, support other agencies, do whatever we can. But the blaze last night um, ran a, uh, a special movie called Faith Keepers, and it is really hopeful. It is a way for you to really see what's going on without being depressed about it. And I have to tell you, I, when I saw it a few weeks ago for the first time, we were deciding whether or not we were going to carry it. The answer was so easy because in the first 15 minutes, I was thinking to myself, I want my kids to see this. My kids have to see this because you will see Christians that quite honestly going to make you feel a little ashamed of yourself. Uh, and it will show your children. It will teach your children what it means, what it really means to have faith in God. We have Richard uh, Green joining us. He's the executive producer of the movie Faith Keepers. Also, uh, Juliana, Juliana, I don't want to butcher your last name, and I am king of butchery. So what's your, how do you pronounce your last name? It's Timorazi. Timorazi. That seems a lot easier than it's spelled. Um, president and founder of Iraqi Christian Relief Council. Can you guys tell me what's going on, uh, on, on the ground right now? Better, worse, or about the same? If I may um, say that it's an honor to be with you, Glenn, uh, the situation, I just came back from Morocco a week ago. I spent about 10 days there for the second time this year. The situation is, um, to be honest with you, it's a double-edged sword. And I say that because there's so much hope in people's hearts that are moving back to this area called the Nineveh Plain, which lays on the outskirts of Mosul, where a majority of the Christians were pushed out by the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. At the same time, they're fearful because uh, there's not much security. They want to have their own sons and daughters protecting themselves. And uh, so security is first and foremost, and economy is is second on their minds. And um, as I say this, I I was joyful to see people really returning to their lands but wanting security. So, but you have a lot of Christians at the beginning when ISIS came in running to some of the Iranian fighters for protection, and that's not going to last. I mean, with with Iran sweeping in through to to um, uh, Syria, they don't. I mean, do you see a lasting um, safe zone for these people? So the Iranian influence in Iraq is of utmost concern for the Iraqi Christians uh, because they there is the city called Bartella in the Nineveh Plain where there is an Islamic Republic of Iran school that is established there. And the Christians in Iraq and in Nineveh Plain are asking the U.S. to fortify them, to support them, to become more strong, to push out this Iranian influence. So the only way, Glenn, that the Christians in Iraq can survive is through a province of their own, which is called the Nineveh Plain. This is not something that the U.S. has started. This is not something that we in the diaspora are asking for only it was sanctioned by the Iraqi government through the Constitution and also through the Council of Ministers right before ISIS attacked in January of 2014. 
the Council of Ministers in Baghdad said Christians of Iraq deserve their own province, their own land, called the Nineveh Plain. And that's the only way you will see Christianity really remain and remain strong in Iraq. We're talking about the um, uh, documentary Faith Keepers. It uh, 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 premiered last night on The Blaze. It's available on demand now if you're a, a subscriber to The Blaze. Uh, it's coming from the Clarion Project, and uh, Richard G- uh, Richard Green is the executive producer. Um, Richard, um, trying to tell this story and and getting people to watch it is almost impossible. And you have done a remarkable job. It has so much hope in it. What did you find personally during this? Oh, Glenn, um, one of the incredible quotes that a young man says at the end of the film is that a one man, a one, a, 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 a person with one hand cannot clap. And it's something you touched on in your show yesterday. They are so hopeful of their future. They so want the world to know their plight. And that made me shudder because I think myself being in that situation I would run away and I would forget where, where I was from probably. However, these people were so strong. They are so strong. And as was just said, they, all they want to do is be back in, in their home country and, in a peaceful existence. That's something that I find absolutely remarkable. You guys have done a remarkable job. You were the inspiration for a, a show that we did on uh, CNN Headline News in 2006. And we were the first ones on on national television to show what was really going on in their own words. And um, you did an inspiring film called uh, uh, Obsession. In Faith Keepers, you talk about the Muslim Brotherhood and the role that they're playing to to spread this. Is it is it getting better or is it worse? Is anybody paying attention to this, Richard? Are you talking about the Muslim Brotherhood in America or geopolitically? Uh, geopolitically. The spread of radical Islam. Listen, the spread of radical Islam is, a, is perhaps the greatest, the greatest threat to, to, our, to our civilization, Glenn. Um, we have in Europe a, a shrinking demographic uh, um, uh, uh, of, of people who were born there. Uh, and you have this incredibly high demographic uh, replacement rate for, for the immigrant population, which in itself is not a bad thing, but that same immigrant population has become more and more radicalized. At the same time, you have uh, a, a geopolitical situation where there have been great strides made in the last few, in the last year or so, but there's a lot of real concern out there. I would, uh, uh, if I was to paint a more positive picture, um, you know, just five years ago, uh, Egypt was uh, controlled yeah. by the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, and today they have El Sisi as a president who is very anti-Muslim Brotherhood. Now, coming stateside, the Muslim Brotherhood is this tremendous concern. They do something called a, what we'll call a, a silent jihad, in which they get political, um, uh, uh, they use our own um, liberties freedoms. and freedoms against us in order for them then to turn them around against us uh, and call us Islamophobes. Anyone who speaks about this issue is, is shut up because we're not politically correct. There, there can be no, no, no larger... Um, uh, misconstru- misconstruing of truth than that. So, uh, in general, the issue is 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 is, is not positive, but there are some 
some upward trends. So, Juliana, you are a refugee from Iran, are you not? Yes, I am, yes. So you escaped, you saw uh, oppression firsthand. Um, and in the movie Faith Keepers, I mean, it, you show the, the Christians that have, have fled here just recently and the, the harrowing stories that they tell of trying to get out. Um, uh, tell me why women in particular in the West are not standing against these oppressive regimes. Do you have any idea? I believe it's part, as Richard was saying, uh, it's part the Islamophobia. Um, that is a very good question that I've asked myself. Where are the children advocates? Where are the women organizations defending or standing up for these women that are oppressed and that are being uh, sold in sex slavery? And I believe it truly is the Islamophobia that they're afraid of being labeled as. Um, and the media does not talk about it for the same reason. And yes, I did escape. I escaped as a young woman. I was 16 when I escaped Iran. I was smuggled out once into Switzerland, stayed in hiding in Switzerland, and then escaped into Germany. Uh, and I became a refugee and came to the States. Um, and, and the women, that what they go through, what they go through to hold on to their families, to hold on to their faith in Iraq, one thing that I'd like to say, the Christians of Iraq, especially the women, we should not look at them as victims. They are resilient individuals that are keeping the families together. And whomever is listening to this, who are a part of women advocacy groups in Europe and in America, we have to empower these women. When I was in Iraq last week, I met with some of these young women, and they were pleading with me to, to be the voice out in the West to uh, bring more women empower, empowerment programs to Iraq because we believe that it is a woman that really holds the families yeah. together, the faith together, and moving it forward. Juliana, Richard, thank you so much. Uh, I want you to watch Faith Keepers. If you're, a, if you're a subscriber to The Blaze, it's on demand right now. It's a, an hour really well spent. Watch it with your family. Then, if you will, go to clarionproject.org. You can get Obsession for free and the Faith Keepers movie discounted to $5.99. It's, it's, it's cheap. It's just enough to produce it and pay for it and get it out. Um, and But we're asking that you would show this in your churches. You would show this in your neighborhood. You would gather your friends together. It's really important. Nobody in the media is telling the truth about what's really happening. This is the Armenian genocide of our time. And we need to stand and help these people. So please go to clarionproject.org, clarionproject.org. Grab this movie, show it to your friends, and lead the way out of darkness. Thanks, guys. You know, government's not going to get it done. You know that and I know that. They're just not going to get things done. We have to do it ourselves. FEMA is broken. Hurricane, wildfire seasons, weeks away. What happens if there's something huge like the power grid? You know, um, uh, Putin says we're in World War Three. He says this war is not going to be fought with uh, bombs, but with ones and zeros. What happens if the power grid goes down? You know, people have tried to hack it before and the government has said they've gotten dangerously close. Somebody's been probing it. Here's what you do. Stop worrying about it. Just do the things you can do. And one of the things this week you could do is stock up on emergency food for your family. This is not crazy to do. 
This week, you can buy one and get one free. Two-week emergency food supply, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for one person for two solid weeks. Tons of food. You buy one, you get the second one free. Now, you can get this at preparewithglenn.com or call 800-200-7163, 800-200-7163, or preparewithglenn.com. Do it this week. Buy one, get one free. Preparewithglenn.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. So it was 23 years ago at about this time that America was shocked. What was it that America heard on television 23 years ago? Pretty close to right now. Listen. This is a special report from NBC News. And good morning, everyone. I'm Matt Lauer in New York, and we do have a special report from NBC News. There has been a massive explosion at a federal building in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. It happened just a short time ago. A large portion of that building has collapsed and fallen away from the rest of the building. At the moment, we don't have any specific numbers on injuries or deaths, but we can tell you that the Red Cross in the Oklahoma City area has asked for all volunteers to report for duty. Also, they can, we can tell you that they've asked for donations of blood, so the situation is obviously serious. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. We look at our problems now. Think of think of what life was like 25 23 years ago. 168 people dead, 680 injured. Oklahoma City, we haven't forgotten. We're thinking about you today. Glenn Beck, Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is a special report from NBC News. And good morning, everyone. I'm Matt Lauer in New York, and we do have a special report from NBC News. There has been a massive explosion at a federal building in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. It happened just a short time ago. A large portion of that building has collapsed and fallen away from the rest of the building. At the moment, we don't have any specific numbers on injuries or deaths, but we can tell you that the Red Cross in the Oklahoma City area has asked for all volunteers to report for duty. Also, they can, we can tell you that they've asked for donations of blood, so the situation is obviously serious. It's quite amazing. Uh, I mean, 23 years later, Matt Lauer is no longer with us. He has been discredited by a an entirely uh, new movement that nobody would have foreseen in in uh, 23 years ago in 1995. 1995 was an important year, at least for me. 1995 was a uh, 1995 Oklahoma City happened, and that was the first time, wasn't it? The first time that we had seen an American kill and slaughter. Just a bunch of Americans and a, a crazy, a crazy man. And then in October of that same year, that happened April 18th, in October of that same year, we watched O.J. Simpson 
go down the highway. I remember so clearly watching, I think it was Larry King, and laying in bed watching this unfold. You know, watching on one of those big, huge televisions that you just can't move today because you can't lift the big tube television. Watching that and thinking, this is incredible. What is happening? That was the same year. The 90s were, I mean, we have not had a break. I mean, think of this. O.J. Simpson, we had, we had uh, Oklahoma City. A couple years before that, we had Waco. Uh, we had Monica Lewinsky. We had Columbine. We had the Elian Gonzalez debacle. You remember that? Uh, and then into the 2000 election, after impeachment in the Senate, 2000 election, it's, he's stolen, he was selected, not elected, all of that, right into 9-11, into war, into where we are now. Can I ask you a question? Where have you been built up? Think of this. Since 1995, and this is a serious question, can anyone give me something that we did that happened that we were like, wow, that's good. And I don't mean we killed Osama bin Laden. I mean something good, something that was uplifting. I guess the only thing I can think of is 9-12, the day after 9-11, where we all stood in line to give blood, to do whatever we could, where people were driving with food trucks from the other side of the country, where we started to know our neighbor and talk to our neighbor and ask people, how are you? And we actually listened to the answer. That was remarkable. It was the most remarkable day in my entire life. I didn't know the strength and the goodness of America until 9-12. It was theoretical. Tell me the last good day we had as a whole, as a whole, It's not a rhetorical question. Can anybody think of anything? Can you think of a, the last good day that we had as a whole that wasn't a, hey, we killed somebody? I mean, obviously the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Okay, all that, right, all right. Probably. Now, something that is, something was meaningful, something that built our institutions up, something that, that built us as a country, that, that, that said to us, look at how good we are. Uh, you know what? The day Barack Obama was elected. For half the country, yeah. yeah and more, more I think that, more than ways, that. Yeah. Because I, I remember being on the air was, that day, and I was gravely concerned about his Marxism <laughs> and his relationship to Marxist. But I was really proud that America elected its first black man. It was like, that's a great milestone. Right. I mean... It, separate from all the policies and you think that, separate from all of the policies right um there was obviously half the country who you know voted for the guy and was excited about him for for multiple reasons but there was a good chunk of people who did not vote for him 
and still looked at that and said, hey, you know what? Hey, that's a good thing. This is it's 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 finally all of this is behind us. And wow, did we get that one wrong? So we can't really even say it about that because, you know, you could make the argument that 40 percent of the country was not happy about that. What was the right. thing? What was the last I mean, thing cert- that happened that brought us all together? Because to your point, I mean, I, I was I I think it was a, an important historical moment where you said, wow, this is a big step for for this country. I'm proud um, of us. But I'm however, proud. I still thought of it as a really yes. bad thing because yeah. he was going to no, be a terrible was, president, which which he was. No, I remember having to look for the bright side. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes, I definitely. had to look for the bright side. But there was that bright side. Um, this is a good, this is a good, uh, yeah. The reason why I ask garbage in garbage out, how, how do we, we haven't put anything in our tank. What have we put into our tank? Uh, here's another one, but not for the whole country. 828 Washington DC on the Lincoln Memorial steps. That was a good uniting day where people came together. In fact, some one of the guys that works for me was working for the ACLU at the time and was going to 828 just to see what it was all about. Just to make up his own mind and see what this was all about, thinking that this uh, I was crazy and watched it and it changed his life. And he was like, this isn't anything like I thought it was. That's not what the press said. And again, too, even the one you're pointing out as evidence, you know, nine twelve is a mo- is a day that's been very important to you, and and you look at it in a completely different way than most people. I mean, yes, it was a time we united, but it was uniting only because of horrible tragedy. I mean, it wasn't like a hey, wonderful moment. It was a moment of mourning and terror for a lot of people too. Yes, we all helped each other, and and that's the lesson we've taken out of that. But even that. In other words, I think what we can summarize here is we've never had a good day. <laughs> just, really, we're doomed. Wow, we are screwed. Because uh, there can it, somebody come up with this? Is I would like to hear. Can anyone come up with something? I'm sure, we're forgetting. That is, something. we've got to be. That yeah. is, that has built us together. That has brought us together in the last twenty-five years. I mean, you know, there's things in sports like the Miracle on Ice so that goes back to the eight, 81 mm-hmm. or 80, 81. Yeah, had, it was an Olympic year, so 80. Um, and there you was know, things you gotta like go that. Back. You got to go back to the early eight, uh, the early 90s, I think, to find those things. I mean, and, and you'll only find them with sports. It's why yeah. it's why nobody's watching the Olympics anymore, because it's not good guys versus bad guys. That's what it used to be. It was good guys yeah. versus bad guys. They are cheating. They are, you know, their women are 400 pounds of muscle. <laughs> you know, it's just not possible. We know they're cheating and yet we can still beat them. That that was that's what brought us together on the Olympics. Now it's like, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm for her or him because he's got a cool story, but that's that's not enough to galvanize like we used to. You know, I it's it's, it's interesting too because combining this with other conversations we've had fairly recently we this has been a really good period for humanity i mean it's been a great period for humanity we've you know wars are far less frequent far less people die in them far less people die of disease far less people die of poverty Uh, the 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 um uh, world health organization came out two weeks ago or three weeks ago said that starvation is no longer the problem in the world, the leading problem, the re- leading problem is obesity. 
It's incredible. That's, and that's, and that's, a that's one, nuts. As, as crazy as it sounds, it's a wonderful problem to have. Yes. I mean, it, the fact that you can essentially choose to die rather than being forced to die is a really good thing. The fact that, when, that, that, if, that if we can never get to a place to where every city in, Amer- in the world has at least one person that has to be taken out by the fire department through their window in a crane because they're too fat to fit through the door. I think that's a positive. Now, that may just be me. But but <laughs> it's better than starving. It's better than it's you know, it's better than seeing those pictures of the children who just, you know, their stomachs are bloated and they're just starving to death. And that's still happening. Oh, yeah. It's, but it's on still a, a problem. It's just a minimal problem compared to what it was. Uh, remember, the people were mentioning or starting to tweet in answers at World of Stew, uh, rescuing the miners. There was that day where the miners were rescued. I mean, I, I, that was kind of a big deal. Obviously, the uh, documentary where Rocky Balboa defeated okay, Ivan no, Drago I, no. was, uh, was no. one I think we could all I'm point looking to. For but again, from... just back in the 80s, I got you. Yeah, I, I got know. It. You're right. It's yeah. in the 80s. All right. So that was, I'm sure you're the thing And again, about that to goes to my sports theory. <laughs> it is sports a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is sports a lot. What else? Anything else? Uh, let's take a quick break. Yeah. We'll, we'll screen the phones, take your phone calls, and look at your tweets. Uh, 888-727-BECK. It's, there's got to be something. We've got to be missing something. Otherwise, I'm really depressed. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> depressed. No, actually, I'm, I feel better because I realize, well, we haven't had anything for a while. And look, that's why we feel so beaten down. We've got to start looking for those things. All right, let me tell you about uh, the Palm Beach letter, which uh, we have gone out to. Um, we've gone out to all kinds of experts, and we have asked them about Bitcoin. I invest in Bitcoin. I just read a, a story from uh, uh, some investor that said, you know, if you're not, if you have given up on Bitcoin, you are about to miss the the biggest spike yet. I don't know if that's true. Um, I will tell you that George Soros talked Bitcoin down and then, oh, lo and behold, just two weeks ago, who look who's investing in Bitcoin with his $23 billion fund. Huh. Amazing. Um, so anyway. Talk it down and then start buying. That's exactly what George he, Soros. It's exactly what he always Ugh. does. Anyway, Bitcoin is really hard to understand because of blockchain and everything else. And is it Bitcoin or is it another? Is it another coin? Uh, we don't know, but I think this is around for the rest of our lives. So we went out and we interviewed a whole bunch of people. We found a guy named Tika Tawari. He's from the Palm Beach Letter. Uh, and we asked him, could you put together a, a, a tutorial on, on cryptocurrencies? What is it? How does it work? How do you invest? Then if you want to invest after you understand it, that's up to you. Take this crypto master course now. This guy is a former Wall Street guy who has probably made more money for people on cryptocurrencies than I think anybody else around. Check this out. It's uh, the smartcryptocourse.com. You have to educate yourself first. Smartcryptocourse.com. Sign up for it right now. Smartcryptocourse.com. Join Glenn, Stu, Pat Gray, Doc Thompson, and Sarah Gonzalez weeknights at 5.30 Eastern on the news and why it matters. Tweet us your questions using the hashtag TheBlazeY and tune into the show to hear the answers at TheBlaze.com slash TV. Glenn Beck Mercury. 
Glenn Beck. Okay, so I know there are things that have happened since 1995 that have been good. (laughs) I just can't figure out what they are. And I mean, when I say good, I mean something that all of us, both sides of the aisle, black, white, Republican, Democrat, whatever, all of all of us came together and said, wow, that was great. Cliff has a great one. Cliff, go ahead. How are you doing, sir? I love listening to your show. Thank you. Um, when I heard you today, I had to call in because uh, I believe the uh, Miracle on the Hudson, Sully Sullenberger, mm-hmm. was a, an event that a lot of Midwesterners, even though it happened in New York, we were joyful here. We talked about it for weeks. You know, it was very uplifting, and I think it really did. Both sides of the aisle, didn't matter who you were, you were happy to see something like that happen. And, you know, and it really inspired a lot of people. I know my son's working on his pilot's license right now just because of that one wow. event. Wow. Wow. You know, so that was an inspiring thing in American history to help the young man find his way. You know, and we need more of that. That for is our a great kids, one. For our families. You are right, Cliff. That one was great. I remember I was in New York. Yeah, we had a pretty unique experience with that because we had windows where we could look out and watch it. <laughs> it was, it was bizarre. We were in this big high-rise uh, tower, our offices. We were about three blocks down from Fox, and I had finished my Fox show, I think, or I was over for a meeting or something, and I walked through, and everybody was buzzing, and this is before, you know, this, this is before cell phones, really. Uh, I mean, not cell phones, but uh, it, where everybody was connected on, on social media. social media all the time. Uh, and, uh, and so I'm walking down, and I'm, I'm hearing talk about something. I'm hearing about a plane crash, and I'm like, oh, dear God. We go up. I get off the elevators. What is happening? Uh, come to the windows. Yeah. And we could look right out on the Hudson River. And you could see all the rescue boats coming. We didn't see the actual right. landing, but yeah. uh, you could see all the rescue boats. It was right there in front of us. We all just kind of sat there and just watched out the window. Remember the next day, too, I said, this is God reminding us he's got us. It's good. It's a miracle on the Hudson. That's a great one. Because I was coming up with things like, I don't know, SpaceX when they landed on the platform. <laughs> a lot of things, though, come from real potential tragedy or tragedy. Obviously, the miracle of the Hudson, potential tragedy. People are, are reminding us of uh, the Houston Hurricanes, which was, what, just last year? And that, yes. there's a lot of great oh, things I'm that came out that of that. One. That's okay. a good one. So I've got Sully. I'm going to keep this list. So I'm, well, you know, when I'm sitting at the edge of my bed going, we're all doomed. I could just look at this. Okay, so... Uh, Houston Hurricane, I like that. Anything else? Uh, people, George Bush's first pitch in that first game after uh, after nine eleven was one again sports related, but that was that that that's a moment that I think. I mean, I, we I, I talked about the stat re- recently. George W. Bush had an eighty four percent approval rating at that time Jeez. among Democrats. Wow! Not overall among Democrats, eighty four percent. That's how united we were after that uh, thing happened. But again, it's a tragedy that causes it. I'd love to find those that aren't that way. Back in a minute. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Love. Courage. Truth. Glenn Oh, no. Russia's just as good as we are, just as bad as we are. We've just been as bad as Russia. There's no difference between. Can we stop that conversation for a minute? Let me just let me tell you about the guy who's known as the Russian Elon Musk. 
Everyone was in, in agreement that this 56-year-old scientist, nothing short of brilliant, he was their Elon Musk. He had 3D modeling techniques that were so high-tech that Russian submarines would soon able to be uh, uh, fixed remotely from hundreds of miles away. We could fix something. We go, there they are, right there. That's what he was doing. The same application was being looked at for oil and gas pipelines. His work was absolutely revolutionary. Won him a lucrative contact with a contract with the Russian Ministry of Defense. Yeah, and that would be the downfall. Let me get into bed with the government. Now, in a civilized, free country, you mess with a state, you go to jail. But in Russia, you mess with a state, you die a secret and brutal death. The entire world has gotten a glimpse of this when the details from the Magnitsky case eventually led to global sanctions uh, targeting m- multiple prominent Russians. Magnitsky exposed a massive fraud scheme that reached the highest echelons of the Russian government. When you hear about well, the Magnitsky case, that's, that's what they were talking about with Donald Trump. Yeah, what is that story? He was involved in uh, trying to blow the whistle and show that government money was being abused. The Kremlin repaid him by throwing him in prison and then beating him to death. The Russian Elon Musk, whose real name is Valerie, would soon learn this lesson. Valerie had recently accused his business partner of stealing company money, and like anybody, he took it to court. Never in a million years would he think, oh, wait a minute, this is going to be turned around on me? Hold it, wait, I'm the one who's exposing this. Never in a million years would he expect that his business partner could turn the tables and say, no, Valerie's the guy who's been stealing the money from the Russian government. It shocked everybody. So in January, there's a knock on his door. He knew who was there. It was the FSB, the former KGB. They grabbed him and said, quote, take a good look at your suits. You won't be needing them anymore. Save one for your coffin, end quote. Three weeks later, his body was found. He had hung himself. Yeah. He had hung himself? Yes, with an improp- um, uh, improvised noose in a St. Petersburg prison. He, you know, he was very clever. Prison authorities declared it was a suicide, the tragic end to a man that had lost everything and had clearly decided to end his misery at the end of the rope because he had stolen from the Russian people. That would normally be the end of the story, but not so much this time. Because it looks like the Russian Elon Musk didn't die from an improvised noose. He died from a few, let's say, suspicious circumstances. Apparently, when he was hanging there, uh, he found a way to break his spine, uh, uh, apply electric uh, 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 juice to him so he could go through some sort of self-inflicted electric torture. He was, of course, asphyxiated, but then also died later with the noose. He had knife wounds that he apparently inflicted on himself. And he raped himself several times. 
I don't know how he that's did, done. He did, he did what now? Well, he's he probably decided he was both male and female, and he oh. was he was a rape, he was in prison. All people in prison are rapists. You know that. Mm. I know that. Mm. This is what happened to Magnitsky. Same thing all over again. A brilliant scientist had crossed the Russian government, and he paid for it brutally with his life. The reason why I bring this up is because Alex Jones and others have recently said, well, you know, Russia, they're the white knights. Yeah, 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 they are, aren't they? Really? This is the propaganda that's being pushed out of the Kremlin to the entire world. The good old Russians saving the Christian world. Make no mistake, people like Magnitsky and Valerie, they know exactly who these people really are. I should say they did know exactly who these people are. White knights don't beat people to death for exposing their corruption. They don't electrocute and rape their citizens to death for crossing the state. This is what's going on behind the Kremlin walls. And we all better realize what Putin and his cronies are really like. It's Thursday, April 19th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. 23 years ago today, America heard this on their television set. This is a special report from NBC News. And good morning, everyone. I'm Matt Lauer in New York, and we do have a special report from NBC News. There has been a massive explosion at a federal building in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. So now I remember this was in 1995, and I remember hearing this, and I believe it was 1995 where I kind of started to go, wait a minute, I don't think I understand the country that I live in anymore, and I'm starting to be really concerned about it. Um, 1995, a few months later is when O.J. Simpson, the, the verdict came out. Uh, and so we had watched O.J. Simpson travel down the street, and then we had watched the trial. We'd seen Oklahoma bombing, and a few months later, we see people cheering for a guy that at least I thought was really clearly guilty. And I remember thinking, I don't, I, 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 I don't know my country. Then Monica Lewinsky happened. Um, then the Columbine shooting happened. We had just come off of Waco. We then go into the election of 2000, which was a nightmare, into, uh, into 9-11, which brought us together for a very short period of time and then really started to divide us into Iraq, into Barack Obama, now into Trump. I mean, what has brought us together? We have spent the last 20-some years really, as I'm looking at it, thinking, well, this is why we all feel like crap. What's been the good thing about America? I mean, at least in the 50s, we were like, look at that Cadillac. Oh, yeah, well, I can make a bigger fin than that. I mean, what has been the thing? You know, even I hate to be all, you know, old timey, but even like the Beach Boys. Back in the 60s, everybody else was riots. We at least had the Beach Boys that were like, hey, look at that pretty California girl. And at the time, California, the girls weren't all chopped up to look like the cat lady. Now it's uh, how dare you look at that girl and how <laughs> dare you call her a girl. She has not told you how she identifies or they identify. By the way, Tyler and Marley um, Carden just had their child and the oppression continues. 
He announced that it was a baby girl, and I said, oh, excuse me, the patriarchy just doesn't stop. <laughs> you and your cisgender norms, let her decide, let it decide, because it might be a he later on. Anyway, what have we had that has really brought us together? Now, we just had a phone call from somebody before the break that said, um, uh, Sully, that was a good day. Where no matter who you were, you were like, yeah, look at that. We all stood together and everybody could stand in the bar and look at the television. And we all had the same opinion. Wow, that was cool. That was great. And as we've looked for these moments, we've discovered that it's it's a rare one of these that comes out of anything but a tragedy. Or an almost tragedy in the Sully case. I would say, that, and I think I'm alone in this one, but I'd say SpaceX is. You're definitely not alone. A lot of people are bringing up SpaceX and Elon Musk and sort of these late, yeah. these big technological space related. Yeah, uh, I just think improvements. That, I mean, it was really cool. It wasn't just a collective moment, though. It should have been, but it wasn't. It was really cool to see the the rocket go to space and then come back down and land on a platform on water. That was like, whoa. Yeah, that was just that. showing off. You could have put the platform yeah, on land. They, I know. they just wanted like, to show off. Right. <laughs> and you know what I think we're going to find? And we're going to take your phone calls and we're going to go through your tweets here in a second. But I will bet you that what we find inspiring has nothing to do with, you know, big groups or government or anything else. It's the individual. It was Sully landing the plane. It's Elon Musk going, I can go to space. It's the individual that inspires us. And isn't it interesting that we're all trying to be exactly the same and march together, but what we find inspiring is the individual. Uh, I bet there's something there. I bet there's some universal truth there that we should look at. Or maybe not. Let's talk about Stormy Daniels some more. I'll bet you. Go through your list. So a few here. Uh, at World of Stew is where you can tweet these, and we can go through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Elizabeth Smart was found and rescued. That okay. was a okay, big day. Okay, but okay. again. All right, hang on just a second. Hang on. What do we have so far? We have SpaceX, which is Elon Musk. We have Sully, mm-hmm. one guy. Houston Hurricane. That wasn't... A lot of individuals, but... It was just the individuals. It was people... It wasn't the state of Texas saying, okay, everybody go over here. It was the individual that just got in their truck and said, I'm going to go help. That was the inspiring part of that story. Elizabeth Smart, what was inspiring about that was that she made it. Right. Again, though, born of tragedy. Yes. Um, Which so many of these are. Um, Three Americans that saved a train to Paris. Again, averting tragedy but that was a good one yeah three i don't know if, yeah, well i can't i don't know if i can fully count that because it was followed by the clint eastwood movie which was oof uh that was the 310 to paris okay but that is, again is individuals right uh this is an interesting one that's completely off the mm-hmm. off the track of some of the others the eclipse last year now, it is, I, that no. was obviously mainly silly, but it was one of those things it where we was. all did kind of walk outside like morons and stare yes. at the sun for a little while. It, it was. <laughs> I was disgusted by it, but it was. It did bring people together. It definitely, it was a, definitely a shared experience. I don't know if it's a... Yeah, it's not an uplifting. I'm looking for things that don't have to do with killing somebody, like, when we killed Osama bin Laden. Right, that, that's one that people suggested. I think that was a legitimate one, But though. you know why that was? You know why that was? A, I don't know if you can say universally, oh, yeah, 
you should be able to say universally. Well, except for the president, who was just like, I don't know what we should do. Uh, yeah, I mean, it took him 47 days. And it yeah. was and Joe Biden thought it was the best, most amazing decision in 500 years. Yeah, I mean, it was like, OK, <laughs> should we kill the worst guy ever? Yeah, that's what we do with him. We got Hitler over here. What should we do with him, boss? Uh, so it, it, I don't know if it was universal. It was because universal. It be- I, I think it was universal in the idea that we were all happy that it occurred here's what i do think was turned into politics quickly yes here's what i do think was universal you're not coming back if your plane crashes we're not coming to get you and it was that team that went in against all odds and did it and that was amazing yes um how about uh 1987 baby jessica 1987. That was a big story. No, I, at that I want time. something prior to, after. I want it like 1995 plus, 90 plus. Baby Jessica was good. That's the girl. We should talk to Baby Jessica. I bet she's not a baby anymore. No, she still is. She's always going to be Baby is Jessica. She really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing. I wonder if she ever has worn a tube top, or if that just brings back too many bad memories. <laughs> it's a weird joke. <laughs> it's it's a. <laughs> I guess it would apply. <laughs> it does. Who said it was a joke? No, I that's was a good like, point. Yeah. Uh, well, um, when the uh, Kate, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, or not, excuse me, a K- Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial came out, we did all unite. And okay, it was no, terrible. I don't take that one. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, Gerber choosing the Downs baby was is an interesting. Uh, one. No, I can't give can't, you that one. It does not unite everyone. Yeah, remember that's what really kind of started this whole thing about we gotta kill them babies. It's true. Uh, the bicentennial. Now that's 1976. <laughs> uh, but I will say this: What about the the year 2000? Now there was a big. Obviously, we were all there was a terrifying yeah, you know, the theory. The Y2K thing. bug was going to kill we're us all. We're all going to die. But I do remember that night of a, of a 99 into 2000 New Year's Eve thing being pretty pretty special. Right, a pretty amazing. I don't know. Uh, I was partying like it was 1999. I was so very drunk that I could. I could tell you that. I, I was you, very I was, sober. <laughs> I can tell you that. I remember being very sick that even the next day. That's how I remember starting this millennium. It was very ill. Um, I don't know. I mean, I th- this is where we get a lot of Elon Musk. Now people are starting to get to the point where I think some of these may be jokes, like Orrin Hatch retiring i don't know no, that. No, that i don't know no, there was a lot of us that came together on that <laughs> uh, we definitely, i mean and some of them included Oren's family uh so <laughs> yeah no okay the u.s curling team winning their first gold medal no that was a big thing this no, past year no but no i, I don't no. think that that uh let's see let's try lauren in louisiana because she has a very different opinion i think go ahead lauren hi <laughs> i didn't expect to get through um Yes, I uh, live in Slidell, Louisiana, which is actually where the eye of Katrina hit. Okay. Um, and we evacuated to Houston, but it was almost like everyone in Louisiana was in Houston. Everyone felt, I guess, the the multitude of our local tragedy yeah uh and then subsequently after people from all over the country came and basically 
lived here for months. Yeah, see, I think you have a different perspective of Katrina because you experienced it from Houston. And anybody who experienced Katrina in Texas has a different view of it because you saw Texas come together with Louisiana and everybody was, again, it was it was just like the last hurricane. Everybody just piled in and did whatever they could to help. Um, but the but the rest of the country was was focused on Katrina on, you know, uh, George Bush just hates black people and all of that crap. So I don't think we had the uniting experience that that you had. Right. And I, I guess it was, you know, people from all around the country came to us. So in that aspect, yeah, you know, it was uniting. But yeah, yeah everyone that was outside of the area so to speak uh they didn't the news definitely portrayed a different picture of who we are and what was happening yeah thank you so much for your uh, phone call i want to continue this 888-727-BECK you know what i'm learning we need to focus on some good news from time to time Uh, i think we need a little dose of that Mm. let me tell you about american financing American Financing is going to help you refi. They're going to help you do a consolidated loan. They're going to help you get your loan for your house. Um, or, they, you know, they can get you a, a mortgage for a second home. People are making money on second homes now. You can put as little as 10% down and a, on a second home, and it might be more consistent than stocks. I don't know. I don't want to speculate. I, I just know this. American Financing works for you. American financing does not get into any kind of like these, you know, crazy shady loans that were, you know, were happening, you know, back in 2008. It's the only reason why I do this mortgage company is because I talked to them. They wanted me to do things in 2007. And I said, no, I don't think so. Uh, And they said, no, 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 we agree with you on what's going to, you know, happen to the mortgage industry. But we don't do that. And I said, well, after it happens, we'll talk after it happened. They were fine. Because they work for you, not for the bank. So if you're looking to do anything with a mortgage, if you're looking to consolidate and pay a lower payment, you want to make sure that your interest rate is locked in. You want to buy a new home or a second home. These are the people I highly recommend. AmericanFinancing.net. That's AmericanFinancing.net at 866-750-6551. 866-750-6551. AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. So I'm looking for news, things that have happened to us that have brought us together and given us joy and hope. And brought us together as a people, both sides. Uh, and, you know, some people are tweeting, you know, the Star Wars uh, adventure, the last, you know, the, the, this last run of the last three. Right, which was started with The Force Awakens. Right, and I would, I would go that we were really brought together on episode one. The prequels, right? Yes. Because we were. That was yeah. such a gigantic huge, event. Huge. But then we saw it and we immediately divided. But then we <laughs> reunited against George Lucas. That's so true. You might be able to count that, but I don't think so. I'm looking for things that have given us hope and inspiration since 1995. 
Because we've just been spending it all. Where are we getting the good things from? Glenn Beck. Mercury. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. So what are the things that have happened since 1995? And I'm just picking that date because today is the day that we all heard uh, the news from Oklahoma City. And in 1995, you know, we had the, the, the bombing of Oklahoma City. And then we had the verdict of uh, O.J. Simpson. And then it just all kind of snowballs to hell uh, from there. And, and I, I put 1995 as a date where I really started to go, I don't think I know what my country is. I don't think I, I, don't think I see things the same way. I, what, what, who am I and who's the rest of the country? And it's been taking knocks and chips all the way along. And I'm trying to think of those things that have brought all of us together. We can find them. They're usually tragedies. 9-11, the next day, was an amazing day. And I think there's not a single soul in America that would deny that that was one of the best days of their life. At the same time, it was horrible. We had more hope as people that we were going to make it. At the same time, we were both, you know, we were all going, holy cow, we could be Done. Yeah, some of that's revisionist in that, I think. I, you know, we were terrified. I remember terrified. thinking we were going to get hit by these things like every week. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, We were terrified, but we also, it was like the hurricanes in Houston. People were terrified, but they came together yeah. like, you know, like nobody else. Sully, terrified, but he landed the plane on the Hudson. So I think maybe you have to have a little bit of that terrified. I mean, I can make the case here. I'm gonna write, I've got like 18 monologues out of this list now. Make the case. Don't take away the things you're terrified. If you're not doing things that terrify you, you're never going to ex- experience the beauty. You're never going to experience the thrill of life. If you're not having a conversation that is, f- forget safe. Here's an unsafe conversation. I'm going to kill you. That's an unsafe <laughs> conversation. Yeah, sure. Okay. And I want to know about those and we should get you to a safe zone. An uncomfortable conversation is not an unsafe conversation. And it's only when you're uncomfortable and sometimes when you are unsafe that you find out who you are and who we are. So there was the Elizabeth Smart. We found out we found out she could persevere. People can make it. The 310 to Paris. Three guys just on holiday go up and all of a sudden they do a remarkable remarkable thing i was gonna say was it what the movie was what 1513 to paris i thought it was a 310 to paris whatever it was one of those times to yuma yeah maybe it was 310 to yuma i'm remembering a different movie anyway um i don't think the eclipse happens although again there's a difference between shared cultural event yes and what you're talking about because then you go into the red bull space dive yeah a lot of people suggested that the tightrope walk yeah yeah well that was a tv show too (laughs) and you know uh how about michael phelps winning a zillion medals that was pretty big that was big we all we all agreed on him i think so uh sending matt damon to mars i think people uh leaving him on mars yes leaving him on mars yes we were all for that uh, people can't a challenger disaster goes back too, too far too before far. your list but still that one that's an example of it uh, i'll bring it up again obviously eagles beat patriots to win the super bowl no uh, a lot of people suggesting that one to me at least uh 2009 rescue of uh captain phillips pretty much every tom hanks movie ever made it qualifies for this list that was like amazing. with that poor guy that was on the the island with the volleyball 
take the it's shot. It's another one. Uh, so that happened. Um, uh, Red Bull Space Jump again. Um, Cubs finally winning the World Series, I think, is qualifies. Again, it's sports. Michael Phelps, same thing, although that's a has a national connotation. The Cubs, after that incredible drought, actually winning was that was I actually got my son up from a sound sleep at like eleven o'clock at night so he could sit there and watch that uh, the end of that game. I don't think he has any recollection that he was there, but he was, and I can tell him that later. That was a big, but again, sports a lot of times does this, and certainly you you uh, brought this up a little bit, kind of with the nine twelve thing, a couple of days after this. President Bush stood uh, on the pile of ground zero, said, you know, the, the people who knocked the buildings down. I, I was going to say, you just did a, a painting of this. I just did a painting of this. What was so amazing is, um, Marissa, could you go to my office and just grab them for me? Just just grab the, the one of Bush and the firefighter. Uh, I just did this, and I did it for a charity auction um, for uh, Chuck Norris uh, and his, <clears throat> his Kickstart kids. And... Um, what was amazing is how many people don't didn't know what that was. And it, now it could be because I'm not the best artist. Okay. So I'm saying that with a grain of salt, but I think we should post this and then show it to people. And it's probably my painting, but I was shocked at how many people who were, you know, uh, 30 and below. We're like, I don't know. I don't know who that is. I don't know what that is. Yeah. I mean, especially when you say, when you see there's a megaphone and a fireman's hat, just those two things together in the same place. For anybody who lived, yeah. anybody who lived through that. You know, a lot of these things though are, I mean, you know, you think about the people, people. But that was our December 7th, 1941. I mean, I saw that and I remember clearly I hear you, America hears you, and the people who brought these towers down, they're going to hear from all of us soon. Yeah. I remember that. But, I mean, you know, think about where we are. People who were born after 9-11 will vote in the next presidential election. Wow. Yeah, so here's the, here, here are the pictures. So tell me, I mean, and, and it could just be my art. I got it. I got it. Okay, but I think... Because you know that obviously what we're going to do here is just torture just you about tor- your art quality, art quality for, for a little while. Okay, but this, so this is, so I'm, I, I painted these this weekend for, for Chuck Norris. And uh, my kids were like, what is that? <laughs> now, I'm your like, kids what? could also be torturing you because of your art. Well, yes. But again, you could clearly make out a megaphone and clearly make out a fireman. And those two things next to each other, I think you, you don't think should... that looks like George Bush? It does, but I mean, remember, half of his face, when you it's look at it, half of its face is covered, yeah. half of its hair. So, I mean, you have like, and it's not a, the way you paint, it's not like a super detailed, like, yeah. it's not like detailed like the Stormy Daniels sketch. <laughs> you know, we're talking yeah, no. about. No, I'm going to paint that next. I'm going to paint the Stormy Daniels. I should. I'm going to paint the Stormy Daniels guy. <laughs> I would love to see your painting of the Stormy Daniels sketch. I am going to do it. That's an important work of art. You yeah. have to do that. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be great. You should auction that one off for charity. <laughs> Who wouldn't love to have Stormy Daniels alleged <laughs> pursuer? It also strangely could double as uh, Tom Brady. As Tom Brady, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 seeing those two things together, 
you it's hard for to not bring you back to that moment if you went through it but so you know so many people didn't you know even the people who were born before for the you know five years before that aren't going to remember it really so you know we obviously have history right like i certainly remember december 7th 1941 not because i was there because i've seen the footage nine right. million and that, times it told me this weekend what that told me was we are not learning our own history we're not teaching it we're not showing it it's just it happens and it's gone it happens and it's gone december 7th 1941 i don't even know when i first heard that i it feels like i've always known that i don't know how that was the moment out of everything that happened after september 11th i hear you America hears you, and the people who took these towers down are about to hear from all of us soon. That was the that was mm-hmm. the phrase. Mm-hmm. How's that lost? How is that lost? Yeah, that's a big moment. It's interesting. A lot of the reactions to tragedies separate them. For example, mass shootings. Right? We all know. Remember very recently the the whole David Hogg thing on MSNBC five hundred million times. Compare that to the Amish the way they reacted mm-hmm. uh, to the mass shooting they went through, or Charleston. I'm putting that down. Yeah, Amish the, and Charleston. Yeah, both of those were pretty amazing. Wow, I mean, Amish pe- and Charleston. Those are two great ones. Yeah, people really came together. Again, sadly caused by tragedy. But, I mean, if you think about the way a movie is constructed, right, like you can't just have a, a nonstop happy movie. It's all about that. The, what brings out your emotion is the tough time that's turned into something positive, and that's what almost all of these have in common. So, you know, and you know what's so funny is Charleston, were you with me? Yeah, weren't you? Yeah, we went there together. So, afterwards. you remember we marched, and we marched with all those people. Mm-hmm. They were So, they were all like, you know, Tea Party people. They were all my fans. Mm-hmm. We marched, and we sang. And we, we marched arm in arm, just like Martin Luther King, and we sang. Do you remember what happened when we found, we got on the plane and we found out what had happened? MSNBC stopped their divisive coverage where they were like, and, you know, white and black and they should fight. And the guy stopped because he heard us singing. We walked behind him. I didn't know we did this. He was on, uh, you know, on the side of the street. They were live. We walked and marched behind him. We were singing and he starts to cry. And he says, I just, what's happening here is just remarkable. And he was not aware that it was the Glenn Beck audience, obviously. He had no idea. Yeah. But that's why we are not allowed to enjoy those moments because we just assume the worst and we keep just playing the political game. It's black and white, rich and poor, left and right. It's not that's we have to stop and look at the good things because those are the things that get us through for me, I can get through anything if I know I got a team behind me. I've got people behind me. I have people. But if you're like, I'm the only one. I'm the I'm the only one. It's just me and my family. Or it's just I'm the only one that gets it here. I'm the only one saying this. Everybody else is crazy. You get discouraged really fast. Yeah, we should probably get to a point as humanity that we aren't so in need of other people 
I think a lot of times that. Well, the Japanese a- are working on that. It's called a sex robot. <laughs> well, the- and <laughs> they've been working on it. Strangely, they've been working on it for a very long time. I don't know why, but uh, the Japanese got us covered on that. I wouldn't say it was precisely where I was going with that, but I think it's a good place to leave it. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Let me tell you about Goldline. Uh, you know, enough of this happy talk. Listen to this one. Stu, have you heard this stat? Uh, chapter 11 bankruptcies. Highest level since 2011. Hmm. It's not just brick and mortar anymore. In fact, new Chapter 11 bankruptcies in the U.S. have spiked 63% in the last 12 months. Wow, no, I've not heard that. Yeah, that uh, that's kind of a problem. That's kind of a problem. Uh, yeah, seems like it. We are, you know, if you if you read anything about the market, um, I'm expecting a melt up, but it could be wrong uh, with with trade and everything else. A melt up is when the market just spikes really high, and you could see the market going to thirty, forty, or even fifty thousand, and then it just crashes. That's what happened in nineteen twenty nine. People are saying that maybe we've already hit the melt up. You know, ten thousand to twenty five thousand was that spike. Um, I don't know. I do know this: you need to hedge your bet. You don't want to be all in on anything. Hedge your bet because uh, the world is unstable. And financing is unstable. Just our relationship with what's happening with China and Russia and the United States, just with trade and sanctions, it could be devastating to our economy. You want to make sure you hedge your bet. The best way to do that, I think, is gold. Goldline, the only people that I trust, Goldline. Call them now at 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. They will tell you all about, they have a special brochure that's all about the gold that you can get from the Canadian Mint. Um, they can help you with the difference between cryptocurrency and gold and why one is different than the other and why one makes sense in some scenarios and one doesn't. And Goldline is offering $750 in free coins when you purchase 25000 or more using their, their Express IRA program. That really helps you hedge your bet. Put some of your IRA into gold. Call 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Let's go to Kurt in Florida. Hello, Kurt. You're on the Glenn Beck program. Morning, guys. How are you? different perspective on all of this all right thanks the way i see it in the last 25 years and i'm in your age group i was born in 1970 uh, we've seen more countries flip themselves upside down inside out twist themselves into multiple knots and come to near collapse and in the last 12 years alone America has done that at least five separate times, <laughs> and we are still America. No, it's we amazing. Still American people. Mm-hmm. We are still the American culture. I don't believe for two seconds that we actually have a culture problem. We do have a culture war. There are people trying to destroy our culture for sure, but we don't have a problem. We just have too many cameras trying to promote a problem. I will give you, Kurt, that if we didn't have uh, the social media and the cameras with the 24-7, I don't think we would be having 
uh, the problems that we're having now. I, I will give you that. Thanks for your call. It, it is we have become addicted to outrage. We some are is another. We want to be outraged. I don't. I'm tired. I'm really tired of it. I want to be want to be happy. I just want to go help people. I want to do the right with people I disagree with and then find the way to each other and move on with our lives. That's that's kind of where I'm at. And I think if it wasn't for social media uh, and 24 hour networks, uh, you know, constantly looking to fill, I think we would be a different nation. Janet in Oklahoma, you're on the Glenbeck oh, program. Great. Oh, hi. Hi. I'm glad to talk to you guys. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to just share some things. You know, it seems like Oklahoma gets we're in the right in the middle and we get hit a lot with a lot of stuff. Um, I just want to remind you of the May 3rd, 1999 tornado. That was an F five that went through the southern half more yeah. in Oklahoma. Yeah, I remember. Uh, oh man, it it took a swath of that area like yeah, unbelievable. The, you know, the one thing, Janet, about Oklahoma is you guys have everything. I mean, we started with Oklahoma bombing. You have earthquakes. You have fires. You have tornado after tornado after tornado, and you guys keep coming together. Um, California has a lot of that too, and they are so divided. What can bring Californians together? Glenn Beck. Mercury.